You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I am your host, the Football Grump. With me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan, and we are here after a historic New York Giants comeback. 31-28, to they defeat the Cardinals out on the West Coast without their starting left tackle. Cranky, where did you watch the game? How did you enjoy the game? <laughs> I can tell you, Grump, it was a it was an exhausting weekend for me, uh, mentally more than physically. You know, Saturday night I was in Gainesville for a shocking Florida victory over Tennessee, where we kind of dominated, looked really good. I get back, I was at a bar in Woodside, Queens. Uh, shout out to Donovan's, um, like it's an old school corner bar, you know, underneath the L. Um, Watching the game there, you know, Jets and Giants going on at the same time. And I honestly was in a bad headspace because my fucking Rays had a chance to, you know, do some real damage. They were playing Baltimore on a weekend and they blew a game because of yet again managerial incompetence. So they blew probably their last shot at the division. So that really, I was, you know, fired up, annoyed. And it's hard to all of a sudden switch your brain to, okay. It's 4 o'clock, Giants. So I was a little head foggy in the beginning of that game. And then when it just all went south really quickly, I was just in one of those, what the hell is going on with my life moods? So, you know, and then obviously with the the big comeback, I was, again, kind of like in this little funky, like, I don't know what to think of any of this. And I think that's the one thing I texted you last night, Grump, was I don't know what to make of any of this. And you were just responded, same so let's try to make something of this and uh so shout out to donovan's for getting you into that not knowing what to think sounds like they did their job (laughs) um great burger by the way nice good burger is important i had uh i was at a brand new bar that was recommended by my boss had never been there before also made pizza in-house was delicious so got to enjoy all of sunday football there and the giant game and um during the Just Giants review of the Giants' victory over the Cardinals, I will be drinking more beer by Zig Meister Brewing. Why am I promoting a beer for no money? That is because they are a relatively small company that makes a quality product, and they deserve advertising by word of mouth from their satisfied customers like myself. And that's a situation that's not completely unlike the podcast you're listening to right now. So please jo- follow my lead. Drink a beer from Zigmeister Brewing and tell a fellow Giants fan about the Just Giants podcast. Um, I did not drink any Zigmeister yesterday. Uh, I had a whole lot of Miller Lite, um, and they are not a small company, so they get nothing from me. Um, So I'll tell you it's terrible, but I had a great time. Um, It felt like a really good football Sunday. Week two, week one, you know, I had to get ready, leave for the stadium. You got stranded in the airport. This one, you know, I, I got to the bar. One o'clock, watched every game simultaneously on every TV um, with a good buddy, had some good food, had some good uh, drinks, got to can watch I, a Giants game and come can home. Can I interrupt something real quick? Have, 
What do you think of the new Red Zone channel? Were you watching that? Was that on any of your TVs, or have you watched any of it yet? I did watch some of it, but not uh, yesterday. I watched that on... Um... Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't watch the Red Zone. I don't uh, have that. Is that like Verizon? I think the uh, NFL it's, it's Network everything. does something different, it, right? It's everything uh, now, because they got rid... And I want a real quick gripe about the... Go new ahead. Red Jump Zone. into it, because I don't really know. Yeah, yeah, because... Yeah, you know, I used to have DirecTV, you know, and they used to have two different Red Zone channels. They had one that was specific to DirecTV and one which everybody else got. And now that there's now on YouTube, they got rid of the other one. So there's just one. My one gripe with Red Zone channel now is that they got rid of, you know, having like the two and three games going on at the same time. And they do this thing now. They just whip from game to game to game to game super, super fast. And to me, it's a little... It's a little jarring. I, I miss having, you know, there's three games going on in the red zone at the same time, three screens, and it goes to two. Then it goes back to three, then one, then two. So if you are listening, YouTube, let's bring it back to the way red zone used to be because I'd rather see two things going on than having my head spinning because you're flipping in, in 10 games in 13 seconds. That's Fair it. enough. I mean, I got to watch everything on like 30 different TVs, so. Yeah, um, it's nice. It's essentially what you're asking for. Um, in yeah. any case, Giants come out of this vic- out of the out of this game with a victory at at some kind of heavy cost. Saquon Barkley with an ankle sprain suffered with like a minute left to go in the fourth quarter, and starting left guard, right guard, wherever they need him, Ben Bredesen with a serious concussion. Um, yeah. I feel like I was the only one who saw it immediately in the instant replay. Um, they were kind of like, oh, I don't know. Did his legs buckle? Did he hurt his legs? Like, no, his legs buckled because he has no clue yeah. where he is right Lights now. Lights out. <laughs> yeah, he just smacked his face into the helmet of another player um, while getting rolled up on. So it's kind of like this involuntary fall. I, I I think both of these guys are declared out already for Thursday. I know Barkley is. I'm pretty sure about Bredesen. I think it's going to be an uphill climb for him out of the concussion protocol. But thankfully, because of the Thursday game, he has... Um, like an open 10 days or something before the Monday night game against Seattle. So there's, I would say, legitimate hope for him to play that game. And really the last thing we needed was more offensive linemen going down. And uh... Yeah, Thomas and Ojolari still nursing hamstrings after this game. It'll be interesting to see in what capacity they're able to go and what sort of coaching decisions are made for a Thursday night game in which I think most of the world expects a loss. So I, I just think it'll be interesting. And, you know, whether they go balls to the wall, we don't quit or, you know, yeah. if they play conservative, I'm, I'm legitimately interested. And I think that you can make a case for either. Sure. All right. So jumping into this game, let's um let's start with the offense, because I think that's probably going to be I, I, I would assume that this is going to be like the heavier concentration on here. Um, is it? <laughs> I, I don't know. I think so, because. Because it really, this is where the tale of two halves really is, is in the offense. Um, first half, this offense was incredibly disjointed. It was a lot more of the same. Um, I don't know how anyone could not be getting frustrated watching. Uh, I, I don't know how anyone could not be frustrated watching the first half. It was infuriating to watch um, balls being dropped momentum being gained and lost really quickly it seemed like some conservative decision making and i'm not saying play calling i'm saying decision making it felt like things just felt double clutched all over the place and 
Nothing felt like just letting it rip. None none of the first half felt like letting it rip to me, right? I don't know. I don't I don't think I'm self-contained to that. Um but on the flip side, I will say the second half looked incredibly let it rip and they looked loose. They looked like they were playing. Um suddenly this I don't know. It just looked bad. Daniel Jones ended the game 26 to 37 with 321 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception, and nine carries for 59 yards and another touchdown. I gave Daniel Jones a star for this game. I think Daniel Jones deserves a star for this game. I think that so much of the second half can be placed on him. Um, but that said, I don't think he played a perfect game. And I'll say, even in the first half, he was not, you know, he, he was. I don't know, just as much to blame, but like he was slightly off as well. Some passes thrown behind guys. I do think that he chickened out on one throw. I, I It's kind of hard to tell, but it looked like until the All-22 comes out, it's hard to tell. It looked like he had Hyatt deep while he was kind of escaping stuff and dumped some stuff off. Um, but the second half, he looked lightning. Good decision-making. He looked really good commanding the team. He looked good running the ball. Uh a lot of forward momentum in the in the second half. What do you, what do you think of Danny in this game? Oh, I mean, I give him an absolute star in this game. I think you know, we this is the what the fifth year we've had Daniel Jones now, and I think everybody has differing opinions about him. Whether you know he's a you know an average quarterback, a good quarterback, not good quarterback, we overpaid, blah 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 blah. But this is why we got Daniel Jones and the comparisons to Eli Manning, a guy who's even keel doesn't get too excited who doesn't get too frustrated and i think that's what happened in the second half um i want to go back to your point about the first half with the offense i think personally that this coaching staff is to blame a little bit for it because i think the tentativeness in play calling is a result of being so spooked with this offensive line that i don't think they are we're running their normal game plan on offense i think you know, and we saw it in the second half. I mean, we, we Daniel Jones is a you know very accurate on the medium to deep pass. We got Jalen Hyatt to, Hyatt to be a deep threat receiver. Uh, you know, we got all these receivers to open up this offense more. And I think the game plan for this was a combination of just fear of this offensive line, especially with Andrew Thomas out, and possibly looking over and saying. Oh, that's Arizona. We don't have to do much. Well, a funny thing happened. Arizona came to play, and we've said this on the show a thousand times. Players don't tank. Organizations may tank. Players don't. And, you know, people were saying things like, oh, in the second half, oh, well, they they realized they had to tank and blow this game. That's not what happened. Um, I think what happened at halftime is, you know, they took the governor off this offense and said, you know something, if we're going to go down – we're going to go down fighting, and I don't think there's any fiery you know, pep talk at halftime or speech. I think it's just let's just run our offense and see what happens, and you know, that first deep pass to Hyatt set the, set the tone for everything. Um, you know, the, the, Giants is, the Giants are a better team than Arizona, top to bottom, and letting the talent do their thing means you're probably going to win. So, um, you know, and, and momentum is a big thing in this league. You know, it is in college in the NFL. And once the momentum started, you know, it, it just built upon each other. The confidence goes. Daniel Jones got confidence. 
the receivers got confidence, the patchwork offensive line got confidence, and you know it all worked out. So this is all this is Daniel Jones. You know when he puts together his uh, you know his resume for whatever, whether it's his next contract or you know who knows in ten years is you know his resume for Canton if he ever gets to be you know at, at that level. This is one of those games he can point to and say, look what I did in this one because this is a this is a Mount Rushmore for Daniel Jones games. I, yeah, I would I would agree with that. Um, it, this actually felt a little bit like, in some ways, his first ever game in Tampa. Sure. Right? Yeah, you get absolutely. a little bit of that feeling. I mean, he looked a lot better. I mean, the execution was out of control. Um, you said something. First of all, I gave Jalen Hyatt another star. I know he only had two catches, but two catches on two targets for 89 yards. You said... It's a momentum-heavy game. That's something that Jalen Hyatt also said after the game, and it's something I'm going to echo. It really is, and I think that that being the first play of the third quarter meant everything to that. It was just an absolute onslaught attack, a three-play drive. You know, you throw the bomb to Hyatt, which, by the way, a slightly better throw, and that's a touchdown pass. Um, I don't think... A frustrating thing, you know, as you were saying, uh, man, I'm all over the place. A frustrating thing okay. you were saying about the uh, the coaching staff being a little bit conservative or whatever. I honestly think that Daniel Jones doesn't have a good beat on Hyatt's speed yet because it just don't have the same opportunities to let it rip downfield in a game situation. Um, that throw, it's not a bad throw, but it caused him to have to tempo down and make that catch, which led to him being tackled doesn't matter because they followed up with like a rollout play to Darren Waller and then I think Danny just tucked a zone read and yeah. ran it in right after that and That's then correct. you know the other thing you were saying about Daniel Jones being even keel like Eli Manning I agree with but there are moments where Danny Danny gets fired up um you know, and you know, he kind of ran into the end zone there, and then he turned around. He saw his teammates getting ready, and he spiked the ball kind of half-assed, and then gave a nice helmet shove to Darren Waller. But it was more the second one that he ran in that got called back for a holding. He f- threw the ball at the camera and like flexed real hard into it. It's just something I'll never imagine Eli Manning doing, but it's nice. Yeah, don't don't confuse. Uh, I know, I know what you're more. saying. I know yeah. what you're saying, but I'm just saying it's like. The most important parts of Eli Manning, of staying cool in the moment, not getting too high and not getting too low, but also that immediately – and we saw it later on in Eli's career. I, it's not like it was completely devoid of Eli. He'd throw a touchdown pass and turn around and do his you know, arm pump. He was psyched. Um, it's, it's also just a different game with Daniel Jones running the ball. It's a different mentality. In any case, sure. both of those guys, Jalen Hyatt's job is to do what he did against Arizona. And it doesn't matter if it's three times per game, four times per game, or one time in a game. That's his job. Because as soon as he opened up the deep end, everything in the middle became soft. And that's when my third star, Darren Waller, started to eat. And he was already doing well in the first half. But he was an efficient chain mover in chunks, uh, especially in the second half. Six catches on eight targets for 76 yards. One of those drops was a pretty heavy hit into his back. And he just kind of like ball sort of just dribbled out of his hands um and i also thought that he blocked pretty well in this game not really known for that but he was asked to help with blocking probably like you were saying because of the offensive line you know the other important thing to go back to Hyatt for a second is not only you know is he a star for this game is now he could be a star for future games because now all of a sudden 
there is film and there is tape of what he can do, and that might you know you may game plan differently than you would have before for this giant team. There is a, a legitimate deep threat, a guy who can get separation. You now have to game plan a little bit differently for, and that's going to loosen up things you know closer to the box and closer to the line of scrimmage. I think so. That you know that. I'm giving the star to, to Hyatt for you know for obviously for yesterday, but I'm also giving him a star for what the effect he's going to have going forward on this team. Um, I'm going to give an honorable mention to Josh Azudu. I thought okay. in in general the offensive line I thought performed admirably. I thought they were okay. Um, we've seen worse performances. I would I mean. We'll talk about the level of competition at some point in this episode, but they, you know, they didn't fail in in the face of danger. Um, you had Josh Azudu, who's barely played left tackle, playing left tackle. Um, Marcus McKeithen got his first ever start, didn't embarrass himself. Um, John Michael Schmitz held his own. Bed Bredesen was holding his own till he got hurt. Um, I didn't think Evan Neal played too badly, uh, but. I think the biggest hurdle had to be Josh Azudu's to, to jump, and I thought he did a pretty good job. It wasn't great, it wasn't perfect, but if if I were if I were a Cardinals fan and I don't follow the Giants that well, and all I know is that Andrew Thomas is out and they have some kind of backup playing, I would have never guessed he had so little experience at left tackle based yeah. on that play. I'll say that much about him. I thought that deserved an honorable mention. Yeah, what what did you think just generally about the offensive line in this game, given the the influx position that they were in? I think it got better as the game went along. I mean, again, in the beginning, it seemed like, you know, you know, and maybe Daniel Jones is just getting a little happy feety, you know, just, you know, anticipating that this line's going to break down. But I, I, I didn't get that sense of that as the game was going on, you know, in the second half and into the fourth quarter. Um, I will say um, at one point, I think it was – Right at the end of the first half, Daniel Jones totally ran into a sack. It was 100% yeah. his fault. Anyway, go on. No, no, that's what I was saying. It's like, you know, after, you know, last week was an anomaly, I think. Last week was, you know, just a bad matchup against a great defense and, you know, maybe a defense that had prepared for months or for one particular team and stuff. So I wasn't expecting that again. Um, but it seemed. You know, it didn't seem like something that was always in the back of my mind every single play, especially as the game went along. And that's a good thing. It makes me also wonder about Josh Zudu is, you know, you know, if Evan Neal continues to struggle on the right side, do we consider putting him at right tackle? <laughs> you know, I, if he, I, I don't you know, I, I don't think they're going to give up on him. But uh, let's say Evan Neal gets hurt. I don't think it, oh, yeah. it, it precludes him from putting him out there. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Over Matt Parrott, though, that would be pretty. That would be pretty wild if he got the first nod over him. I, I could, I could certainly see that for sure. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Saquon Barkley and not the injury yet. We'll talk about me, that in a minute. Me too. Um, I did not give Saquon Barkley a star, though he did have a very good game. Um, in some regard, the second half, uh. There was some phenomenal Saquon Barkley in there. The one touchdown where he reached for the pylon was like a third and I want to say like sixteen or something. It's third and eight. It was some. I, I was convinced that we were kicking a field goal at that point. 
takes a catch, gets to the pylon. That was excellent stuff. He had some other really good runs. Barkley is Barkley as a playmaker. Um, he, I don't want to, uh, he needs to be more dynamic than just a runner. He needs to be a receiver. And I will say at this point, through two weeks in, he is responsible for more interceptions on this team than Daniel Jones is. Um, and that's not a that's not a Daniel Jones comment. That's a a running back is more responsible is responsible for more interceptions than the quarterback comment. Two passes going, you know the the one in the Cowboys game is pretty tough, but he has to hold on to that. That is his job as being the second overall pick, earning the contract he has, you know, getting paid what he has, what he would like to be seen as. He can't do that. And then what happened against the Cardinals going right through his hands. There was no tough break there. That was just bad football, and he was responsible for it. Not for nothing, it's a good thing Daniel Jones took that play seriously and ran it down because he was the only one in position to make a tackle on that play. I think that Barkley deserves an honorable mention for this game. They certainly don't win this game without Saquon Barkley, but you know, and we can get into the injury, but going forward, he needs to be more accountable in the passing game. He needs to be more effective and he needs to not do that your turn (laughs) you uh (laughs) it's almost like you were reading my brain because i really was considering giving saquon a fart and i know all the things he did in the second half and i know he did special saquon things but you know something saquon barkley is thought of especially by this fan base and by you know, most of the league as one of the extra special players in this league. And I'm sorry, those two picks are inexcusable for especially for someone who, you know, when people tell me, oh, Barkley's not just, a, you know, he's such a dynamic playmaker out of the backfield running and and, and passing and everything. And you got to be better. And, um, you know, he has nine catches this year for 41 yards that's four yards a carry a a, a reception that's nothing that's you know i need from my main playmaker to be more than that i need him to be more than you know for uh, uh, 13 attempts two interceptions caused by him it's not good enough and you know i like saquon barkley the person I have never been one to canonize that guy like a lot of Giant fans have since day one. I don't know if he's ever going to be in my again, my Mount Rushmore of Giant running backs of all time. I mean, he's got, to me, I don't know if I can put him in that same class as Tiki Barber or Joe Morris, Rodney Hampton. You know, I don't know. There's something that is like, I wish he was better than he was, and... And now he's injured again, so we're going to miss more time with him again. I, I, I just, again, we we talked about it towards the end of the offseason. What were the best offseason moves? And I think mine was that we held our ground with Barkley. We're not giving him a bigger deal and for more money. And I don't know. He's always, to me, going to be a year-to-year guy. We'll see. And I know he's not going to like that, but I don't know. Just, I'm... And again... 
I might be picking nits with the guy because I know he's a really good running back. And, you know, again, you all the points you made are very valid in the, in the second half of what he did. But I don't know. I'm, not that I'm over him, but I'm kind of like in a – it is what it is with him, and I just wish he was better. You're just tired of the fact that it's still always going to be a thing because he's not good enough to – shut up doubters and he's also not reliable enough to shut up doubters right to prove his worth to doubters so it's always going to be a thing i get it i don't think that that's picking nits yeah i mean you know those two picks you know the the first one last week that kind of led to the game being over you know and i i again i think i i judge on a curve and, you know, if it's somebody that's not good as him, I may not be giving a, a, considering a fart, but he's Saquon Barkley. He's the supposed face of this franchise. He is pound for pound the best football player on this team. I just think he has to be better. I, um, I don't disagree with that. I get it. I understand the frustration there. Um, I'm tempted to give a fart to Paris Campbell. Okay. Um, this this guy was brought in here to be, you know, a real difference maker in the slot. They've designed a lot of things in the offense to put the ball in his hands. He's done very little with it. He had two drops in this game. One was a slightly errant pass on a screen play. The other one was a would have been a first down on the end of the first half drive that he dropped. And I believe Jones was sacked the next play. Um, but that would have almost put them in field goal range had he caught that with something like 30 seconds left and and like a timeout. So they had that. That would have been huge. He's just not looking like a difference maker to me. He looks like no different than Richie James, in my opinion. Yeah, that's uh, a good. Uh, I'm, I'm getting. Good. I'm just getting a little frustrated with that. And then you know, with Wandale Robinson kind of rehabbing his way back, with Sterling Shepard, with Cole Beasley in the practice squad, I I just don't know what he's delivering that any of those three guys couldn't give me. Other than than just availability, I guess. Yeah, and that and that's fair. Um, I guess maybe maybe this is like a fart based on my own expectations, but yeah, he he might just be a placeholder until these guys are available to play again. And man, we didn't sign him to be that placeholder, but you know, your performance on the field kind of dictates where you are going forward. I think I just expected more from him. I expected, you know. It's not even like like they're putting the ball in his hands. It's just nothing special is happening when they do it. They're not really getting first downs when they do it. They're not gaining chunky. He's not making people miss. He's not breaking tackles. It's just it's it's might as well just be a running play. Yeah. The, With, the most important the most important thing I see for this offense right now, if Hyatt could become a legitimate mm-hmm. a, a legitimate game breaking threat, and not just a John Ross who runs deep and we catch him once every six seven games, someone where you know, he can develop more of his, you know, become a number one receiver. It doesn't have to happen even this year, even if it's like by next year, because we knew there would be some development time in him. I think that changes everything because I've said this, I, you know, I think there's a lot of number twos on this receivers on this team, a lot Ooh. of twos and threes. Um, that Deshaun Watson, you're watching. You can't just stiff arm somebody. There are a <laughs> bunch of twos and threes on here. Um, one thing that I do think is interesting, and it didn't quite connect in this game, but it almost did. I think that Jalen Hyatt opens up Darius Slayton a lot. They're similar skill set, and I think that pulling Hyatt off the field might 
eventually lull teams into a false sense of security. Slayton can definitely stretch the field, and Jones went to hit him deep. He didn't really have enough room on the sideline to make it work, but Slayton got like one foot in, right at like the one-yard line in the second half. Uh, it didn't work in this game, but I, I could see it working in future games. And I, I just think, I think that they brought in Hyatt, and they've opened up the deep passing game with it. I think I already feel confident that that is going to work. I've already seen some flashes of that working. They brought in Darren Waller to open up the middle of the field, and I clearly see that working. They brought in Paris Campbell, I thought, to work the short and intermediate area, and I see nothing special. I think that's that's just really where I land with that. And I think. That's also part of my frustration with Saquon Barkley, too. Yep. Is, no, I totally, yes. And I forget, forget the injury. I'm talking about just as, as we played seven and a half quarters so far this year is, you know, as you go through that kind of trinity of deep threat, intermediate, short game, well, now you got this guy who is probably the best skills of any of them out there. You expect to do things with the ball, and it just hasn't happened yet. So, you know, let's see what happens. He comes back with the injury if that improves. But, you know, we're on year five of him or whatever near six of it and still haven't really seen it yet all right let's let's switch to the defense here yes sir um holy crap um immediately i'm gonna launch right into this i'm giving a fart to the entire run defense anyone associated with run defense in any capacity uh, allowing 200 yards rushing between joshua dobbs and james connor is disgusting um, I there are some players who I don't know if they want any part of tackling. There was some really, really pathetic defense in the first half. Really bad. And particularly disheartening. It, it is a sad state of affairs when a fan has his morale squashed. You know what I mean? Like, watching Josh Dobbs run past Micah McFadden and then through Xavier McKinney for a touchdown, I almost left the bar. I was pissed. Yeah. I was pissed. Um, I don't know what's going on with the run defense. I don't think the pass defense did too poorly. The first half wasn't good in any regard, but I think that they kind of settled down towards the end of the first half. Two drives ended in field goals to end the they, It's not like they scored touchdowns on all four drives um, or anything like that. But even some on some short fields, they, they managed to keep them to field goals. And then the second half, they shut them down pretty well other than the opening drive. Um, but now consistently, it, it, they brought in so much help to stop the run defense. So much help. And it feels like we're right where we were. The whole defensive line just looks invisible. Well, at least they had a good pass rush. Oh, oh no, they didn't either. So, hmm. I don't know. This is This is the most perplexing part of this team to me right now is, you know... We brought Wink Martindale in here to be a guy who's going to cause chaos and confusion up front to, you know, constantly get in the quarterback's face to cause, you know, you know, make it easier on your secondary because all these exotic things are going to happen and you're not going to know from play to play, constant pressure, and we're getting no pressure. And it's not like we have a bunch of scrubs. I mean, we have, we've invested a lot of money, you know, up front. We've invested a lot in draft picks and... We're getting nothing out of it. I, I had a fart for um, – I had a fart in the entire defense. I gave it a collective fart. I had you know, uh, Michael McFadden I had an additional fart for. Um, I had McKinney for a fart for getting run over. I mean this is Joshua Dobbs. 
This is a guy that wasn't even on this team a month ago. He's been a perennial backup. His only claim to fame is he's one of two quarterbacks to be floored in the last 20 years for Tennessee. That's not that great of an accomplishment uh, for your, your tombstone. And for a team that, you know, organizationally is probably tanking, players aren't, but organizationally, who knows? It's just a, just a, a poor, poor effort, especially after what happened the week before and you wanted to see some motivation and some fire for getting embarrassed the week before and knowing if you fuck up this week, you're going to be 0-2 and, and we all know the stats and we all know the probabilities. Season's probably over if they lose, knowing they got to play San Francisco in four more days. So just very disturbing. Uh, I don't know, you know, in the short term, what we do to kind of get a pass rush back, just, you know, stop the run. I mean, Connor's a nice running back. He's nothing great. He's not Saquon Barkley. He's not a you know a Hall of Famer, but he looked like a great running back. And it just was, you know, when you get to that point in the game when you're like halfway through the first half of this and everything is bothering you, it's just like it magnifies how bad it really was. And uh, I don't know. We'll. I don't know, I'm just kind of at a loss of words. So I'm here's my frustration is I can get over the past defense having struggles. You know, you've moved your best corner into the slot. You've got two rookie corners playing on the outside. You know, n- nothing against Jason Pinnock, um, but he had to earn that starting safety spot. He was a question mark coming into the year. So it's not like, you know, you have a proven commodity back. So, you know, th- there's plenty of moving parts in the back end that – allow some built-in excuses for the past defense being a problem and i'll live with that That, exactly yeah but my my bigger problem is you have on the defensive line veterans like jihad ward um nunez roaches a sean robinson you know big time names like leonard williams and dexter lawrence you have five experienced talented guys with accolades and i don't understand why we're losing contain. Uh, we're getting blocked out of the hole. And it's it's not one of them. It's, I can't say. I tried to be like, was it Nunez Roaches is bad? And he would have two or three bad plays and then two or three good ones. And, you know, Leonard Williams would get a couple of pressures and then be invisible in other plays. Same thing with Dexter Lawrence. Jihad Ward would chase down his own read terribly and then make a huge play on the edge later on. It's just inconsistent. It looks just as disjointed and lacking execution as the offense did for six quarters. It looks like the run defense is suffering from the same thing. So my only my only clinging to hope right now, my only silver lining is that there's that common thread where it's not one guy, it's not the scheme, it just looks like on every play, one guy is fucking doing something stupid. And, and sometimes it's Okereke, sometimes it's McFadden as well. Um, McFadden was particularly bad. I think he probably could deserve his own individual fart in this game. Yeah, um, I gave him one. Yeah, he had but, a lot of missed tackles. Yeah, I mean that's kind of how I felt about the defense. It just—I don't know what the hell is going on, but they—they they just look disjointed right now. Well, some of these guys, like Nunez Roches and Ashawn Robbins, they—they they missed a lot of camp, right? So yeah, are they just are they working their way back into probably? But I mean, the, what I I. I 
I went through literally everyone on the line. Everyone was to blame for some bad plays, and everyone deserves credit for some good plays. It's just a mixed bag, it looks like, across the board. Um, the biggest thing for me is that this is a defense now through two games, and understandably, like, it really isn't two games. This is like six total quarters because the second half of that giant the, the Cowboys game was, I mean, it's not even, you're not playing a game by normal standards anymore. You're kind of just right. trying to get the hell out of there. They have no takeaways and no sacks. Um, I don't know what to do with that. Especially when, again, this defense was, a bill of goods was sold that it would do just that. It would get the quarterback. You know, even if the sack numbers weren't there, the number of pressures and hits would be high, causing confusion, which would ultimately turn into turnovers on the back end. And we're not getting any of that. Um, could it be an anomaly because it's the first two games? It will we'll definitely be watching, you know, you know, starting this week with San Francisco, see if that's going to get any better. But it's um, well, let me ask you, Grump. I mean, right now, what's your biggest concern on this team, offense or defense? You know, not just short term, but intermediate term for this season. Um. I guess I don't know. I don't know. Um, it, on the one hand, the offense has a built-in excuse when your left tackle is out. Um, but also, I mean, like that's a, that's a I guess a reason to be more worried about them. But the defense was the one thing I thought that we were going to be able to be like, well, you know, at least they'll be that. Um, I don't know which. I think I'm concerned. I'm most concerned that I'm very concerned. <laughs> I don't think that I, I thought I would be that way um, at this point. Um, I am 2-0 and on pens and pencils predictions, though, and I couldn't have been more wrong about, like, the way they looked. <laughs> but, um, Jesus. Wow. Um, Losers lose, Cleveland. Losers <laughs> lose. <laughs> I, I, you know... I'm just frustrated. Um, I wanted to get. In, I, I want to just. I want to ask your opinion before I get into how I feel overall. Um, okay. Just really quickly, special yeah. teams wise, I thought it was a clutch performance by Graham Gano. He had one really important job in this game was to nail that ending field goal. He's coming off of getting cleated last week, um, and he nailed it. That's fine. Worth mentioning. Doesn't get a star for it for doing his job. I will say, though, it felt like there were multiple bad snaps from Casey Kreider. Just as a small special teams note, something I noticed. And then eventually, I think Adam Amin said on the broadcast that there was a couple, that there was a bad snap on an extra point or something like that. Just something to note because it's like long snapper is just like a penciled in name at the start of every year. Maybe it shouldn't be that way. And there was a bad snap last week too, isn't that where the extra point was missed or the the field goal rather? I don't know. I was there. Okay. I wasn't. Cause... Yeah, I just wasn't sure. I mean, also it was pouring rain. Yeah. I, I'll I, give I... a pass to the holder, the kicker, the snap. Yeah. I get everyone gets a pass. It was so disgusting out during that game. Um, but I want your opinion. I know this is like a, a topic of debate. Do you believe that play calling duties changed at halftime? Brian Dable denied it. Um. I know that it was more visible, at least on the broadcast, that he was talking into the microphone more, seemed to be looking at the play sheet more, but he did have the play sheet the whole game. 
So I don't know. I want your opinion. I think it's possible. I also don't think it's a big deal. I think people are making out to be like a major thing. Like, you know, everybody loved Mike Kafka. And all of a sudden, you know, Dable's calling plays. And, it, and the implication is like he should be calling plays going forward. And I, I disagree. Um, okay. I, I, I don't know if he was necessarily calling plays. I think he was more involved in the, in the play calling decision making in the, you know, you know, sometimes like, if you let your offensive coordinator, he's going to call his game. And I think he might have been more in the headset saying, you know, I think be more aggressive with the call. Like, for example, I don't think he was actually saying, you know, spider X 19 Y Z <laughs> fuck face or whatever. <laughs> um, but I, I, I definitely think he was more involved in, you know, in captive's game plan. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, no, no. I think I agree with that. Um, I, I definitely agree that I don't think it's as big a deal as it's being made. I think also like sometimes it's you know, Mike Kafka is a second year offensive coordinator. He hasn't been in every situation ever. He doesn't know everything, and it's the middle of a game. I, I don't know that this is the case, but if there's a situation where it's just like Brian Dable understands what's going on, he knows how to handle this. Just I'm taking over play calling, or you know, for this drive, let me let me get it started. You'll you'll see. You know, sometimes shit like that. It just sometimes situations you go with the more experienced hand or something like that. If if it did happen, I'm not convinced that it did. Um, I'm not either. Do you think anything major happened at halftime, or do you think things just kind of got put together? I think the decision was made. You know, as you know, led by that first deep pass. Is if we if we're going to get back into this game, we need to score quickly. We can't be methodical down the field and. By not being methodical down the field, saying you know we're gonna have to go down fighting, and and, and you know, so be it. If, if if the offensive line can't hold protection long enough to get deep passes off, so be it. But when you need what we were down, what four scores at halftime? Uh, it was twenty to nothing. Twenty so to nothing. It's technically three. Three scores. Yeah, you can't do the playing for first downs and just getting you know taking all underneath stuff and everything and little dump offs and everything, you got to score quick. And I think that was the, the, the philosophical decision at halftime was made is, you know, take out the playbook, which has our big plays in it. And let's run that. <laughs> and I think that's what happened. I think I agree with you. Um, all right. So look, I, I took a lot of heat. I still am taking a lot of heat on Twitter for my immediate reaction to this game. Um, which, by the way, was said in jest, uh, in in a sigh of relief, which was congratulations, Giants, for beating the Birmingham Stallions with an eye roll emoji. But look, it's extremely concerning that the Giants needed a historic comeback to defeat the hapless Cardinals. That's a fair point that you can bring up that that I should be happy with a historic comeback, and I am. I am happy. I was happy in the moment. I am still happy. That's like a dark humor sigh of relief but but it still bears repeating that this wasn't the cowboys or a division rival or anyone that's being considered in the playoff hunt whatsoever that required a historic comeback in order to win Uh, it's a team that the starting quarterback was brought in one month ago you know their star quarterback is hurt they shipped they cut the backup who knew the offense they brought in a brand new guy who doesn't know anything um, they sat their best player, who's a star safety, um, and they also sat two other defenders. This is a team yeah. that is actively trying to lose yeah. at the front office level, and it required 
you know, the best comeback in Giants history since like World War II or something like that. Um, this was supposed to be like a get right game for them. And it, it may still have turned out that way. I'm not shutting the door on that. Um, but they nearly didn't get right. Um, and it was a situation that was perfectly designed for them to get right. At the end of the day, though, really, at the end of the day, where that comment comes from, where that feeling comes from, was something that we have been saying for literally months now, probably since February. This year was not about looking at the score or the win and loss column. This year was about seeing improvement on the field. And through eight quarters, I have seen six quarters of negative performance worse than last year. Not better, not the same. So, yes, while I'm happy that the two quarters, the one-third of the season that I've seen so far was exactly how it, it was electric. I'm not going to deny that five drives with four touchdowns and a game-winning field goal is not electric. It is. It's great. And I'm happy with it. But I am supposed to be judging the product on the field this year. And what I saw on the field is two-thirds of awful fucking football. And I'm not going to just be happy with that. My name is literally Football Grump. Anyway, how do you feel after all that? That's that's how I've been feeling for like a full 24 hours now. Well, a quick follow-up question for you before I launch into my thing. So at the as that fourth quarter is unfolding, we take the lead. Are you at the bar jumping up and down happy – relieved or just like shaking your head like jesus christ it's about time we did this um i left i left at halftime and went home i watched from home for the rest of it for that that was for alcohol reasons um okay (laughs) um so i mean i was nervous i i was pacing around i was you know in the moment it still felt like anything could still go wrong i didn't have a strong sense of i knew gano could make the I just didn't know the snap, the hold, the penalty. You know, who the hell knows? It could have been blocked in return for a touchdown with our current historical uh, relevance. So I was nervous. As soon as he kicked it, I felt relieved. I felt very confident after taking the lead. Our first lead of the game, by the way. Um, after taking that first lead. First of the season. That's also true, yeah. Uh, <laughs> at that point, I felt confident that we were going to win. And then it felt like... All of this tension I didn't know I had in my shoulders built up was just like, there it goes. Okay, all right. And then you have that moment. It's like, Jesus Christ, I really was that stressed out over the fucking Cardinals. This shouldn't happen. This this was not supposed to happen this year. Yeah. And, you know, yes, in the moment, I am – I. you sit next to me. You know me in the moment. In a, in a losing season, I am – up and down cheering when we score touchdowns. When yeah. playoffs are out of the picture, that doesn't matter to me in the moment. So you know how I am in the moment. Right. It just doesn't take that long to take it into context. I mean, this was supposed to be the year where this was a business trip. I think uh, last week did a lot for me. If last week doesn't happen, I would have been like, okay, you know, I would have been a lot more into the excitement of the comeback and like the. Oh, I can't believe we're coming. This is great. This comeback is happening to me. You know, the building up from last week and the first half was just like the the weight of the what is the story with us going forward really negated any kind of like jumping up and down, you know, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. So I'm at this bar and, you know, it's a it's a mixed group. You know, there's probably 
know, I'd say a third Giant fans, a, a third Jet fans, and a third just there. There's a third, you know, betting on horse racing. It's one of those bars. Um, and the Giant fans that were there were just like so giddy and, and happy and just like – it's like they didn't watch last week or they don't know what's going on with this team. It was just like I'm here to watch – it's Sunday. I'm here to watch the Giants. Oh, the first half was a bummer. This is exciting, you know. And then celebration when they, when they when they kicked the field goal. And I just wasn't one who was jumping up and down with them. I was just kind of again, like you said, the first thought in my mind was, "Thank Christ we're not zero and two because this season's over." And I don't want the season to be over on September seventeenth. So, you know, there's all these different range of emotions that are going through my head of, you know, the bigger problems are outweighing the joy of a historic comeback. And I, I really, I really don't know what to make of this team right now. Um, you know, even if we are starting to right the ship right now, our left tackle, our running back, another offensive lineman are out. That's scary. You know, I know San Francisco is coming this week. I know this is, you know, less than ideal from a schedule standpoint, from a four days off standpoint, a great team playing standpoint. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what this team is right now. Is this team the first half that can't get off the field against, you know, bad offenses? Uh, a team that, like you said, just looks completely disjointed. I think the disjointed enough will will get better as they keep playing. I think now that we're in the the weekly grind of the the schedule, and of course it sucks that now there's a short week, so we're off schedule, and then there's a break after, so we have to get back onto a schedule. <laughs> At this point now, nothing would surprise me with this team. This team ends up going five and twelve, or goes. 10 and 7. I, I I honestly don't know. And this is where we're going to see how this coaching staff is. You know, I, I, I think, fair or not, I think the honeymoon period for this coaching staff is over. Now, don't take that to mean I'm ready to move on for this coaching staff. I'm not saying that at all. I think the, you know, hey, Dable's great. He's at Ranger Games. He can do no wrong. They made the playoffs in the first year. Everything he touches turns to gold. I think that honeymoon phase is done. Now it's time to see what him and this coaching staff will do with this team with, you know, problems they're going to have, you know, being shorthanded in certain positions and stuff. Does this team look, continue to look lethargic? I mean, if they lose to San Francisco, lose to San Francisco. I don't want that team to come out and just look completely lethargic, completely, you know, the game being taken to them instead of them trying to impose any of their own will to it. If I see fight, I'm going to feel it. So I'm going to start feeling better going into the break. We'll come back and we'll go. If I see a team is just out of it from day one, from minute one, I'm going to be very concerned about this season. And we need this season to be the springboard for next year and the year after for momentum. Well, is this the nucleus of a team that could be a Super Bowl contender in a couple of years? Or is this just, well, they got lucky last year because of the schedule and it's still a lot more we work to do. So I right now am head scratching. I don't know what to think. I, you know, next week's not going to really solve anything for us, but let's just start playing games and see where we go. Look, all I'm saying is 
I watched Detroit Seattle at one o'clock. And when I look around the league, we are a team that is fighting for a wild card spot because we don't think that we're in Philly's class right now. We have just been shown up very hard by Dallas. It is important that we are better than both Seattle and Detroit. And in watching that game, we don't look better than either of those teams. Yeah. And when I look around the league with Detroit and Minnesota in the north, with Seattle and San Francisco in the west, I just, it's difficult to see a spot after – I know it's two weeks. I understand what I'm saying here is a little ridiculous. But after two weeks, this team doesn't look like a wild card team. Just saying. So, I mean, excuse me for being somewhat disappointed by the end result of the cumulative two weeks instead of the end result of the final five seconds. So, I'm gonna, um, I, 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 am, I am happy. Look, I am happy. We're one and one. Being 0 and 2, you'd see a much grumpier grump on the screen. I'm going to say, to piggyback what you just said, though, I don't see a wild card team right now, but I see a potential ceiling where it certainly can be. Sure. Yes. I mean, and I, I think there's some teams that you know, like this Arizona team, they look good in the first half, right, for them. But that's the absolute ceiling of what this team can be. They're not a wild card team. They're not going to the playoffs. You see stuff with this Giants team that, you know, there are there are green shoots of what this team can be that says this is a wild card team. You know, an emergence of Hyatt. And, you know, hopefully Barkley's not out for too long. I know I bagged on him before, but he is still really, really good and really, really important. Um, a defense that has done nothing but has proven guys on it who can do things up front and a, a secondary that's going to get better. So I'm not as hopeless that, you know, we've hit the ceiling of this team. I think this team can get better as the season goes on. Schedule doesn't help much, but so that's kind of where I'm still cautiously optimistic that the ship can be righted. Um, but I, it needs to be time for talk is over and the time for, well, we did this last year and, you know, rah, rah from the coach or anything like that. They have to show it on the field now. Talk is cheap. Play the game. It's the shirt says, um, the Giants are still in last place in the NFC East. They're at 1-1. One one. Washington eked out a win over Denver, 35-33. Um, you called that one, right? Or I did. did I call that one? I believe I – no, I, I did not. I did not. I said going out to uh, the higher elevation, I thought Washington would not win. Yeah. It was close, though. We were, we, were, we were pretty close on that one. Philly beat Minnesota 34-28 on Thursday night when we were recording. And Dallas beat the New York Jets at the same time the Giants beat the Arizona Cardinals, 30-10. to So part of the reason why I left that bar is because uh, the Giants were playing so badly that they switched the audio from the Giants game to the Jets game. Ooh. So wow. and I don't blame them. I don't blame them. Uh, any, uh, so, so I left any, at halftime. Any thoughts on the Cowboys scoring 30 points on the Jets defense? No. No, because, I mean, that— they are still riding their defense being the lead dog there. Look, I I don't know what the end of the story is for Dallas this year, but I know the end of the story for Dallas is not winning a Super Bowl and Dan Quinn is going to get he's going to get a head coaching offer at the end of this year. And I don't know well, let me ask you this. Would you rather get a head coaching opportunity from a Power 5 school or an NFL I know, I know which one pays more money. I'm just asking which one's the better quality of life for a coach. You think? 
Say the, the uh, choices again. A uh, head coaching job with an NFL team or a Power 5 school. Oh, NFL. I, I, I don't even think it's even close. Really? Yeah. I feel like your leash at the NFL level is so short, especially with like a defensive coordinator. Not, uh, not, not so much in college anymore, though. I mean, you know, the – the uh the the power five schools their leashes are shorter and shorter there's no I more guess so yeah there's no more five six years anymore and you have to you know remember when you are a college football head coach you are also the general manager yeah you are but you but are now you can offer money so but you still have to recruit right you know, but you, but you have, it just you doesn't know. uh you're right but I, I think it's I think it's easier to recruit kids and develop them because you're pulling from a larger pool and also um you're not restricted by the cap you have other restrictions like academic standards and things like that um, but i think they're easier to get around than the hard cap yeah but as a head coach you're not responsible for getting players in the nfl like you are in college i mean it's you know you're, you're kind of working with a gm to who, who do you who what players fit what you're looking to do, but your job as the head coach in college is to, you know, the you have to go out and close the deal with all of these guys. I you understand. To, what does that have to do with getting guys to the NFL? That's not their job. No, getting guys onto your college, onto your onto your college roster. Oh yeah, I understand that. I, I don't mean, think that's as hard as it is to get. It is very hard because it's not. It's just you have to start those relationships when these kids are like in ninth grade, and you I have get to that. Develop, you have to develop the relationships with these high school coaches and you have to develop relationships with all of these all American teams and all of these seven on sevens and all of these camps and all of this shit. I mean that I just feel like, I just feel like it's different though, because like once you have those relationships though, and I, I understand that you're saying that there's more behind the scenes legwork, but once you've done that legwork, I think it's easier to get a kid to go to your school than it is to get around the hard cap requirements and get a, you know, getting a five-star recruit to choose your school when you've known them for six years or whatever it is, uh, is probably easier than it is to get the top corner free agent at the NFL onto your roster and make oh, it yeah. fit under the cap. Right. Maybe, yeah. maybe not. I don't know. That's, There's some cap true. gymnastics. I just, I, I feel like, the behind-the-scenes legwork takes more time but is not nearly as difficult to deal with as it is the immediate thing as the hard cap. Yeah, but also dealing with the hard cap is the GM's job, not yours. Yeah, you're right. I think it, maybe maybe you're right. It's six and one half and done the other. Take yeah. the NFL I, I, job because it, it pays, pays I, better. I, it, it, I think because it, it pays better, it's bigger clout. It's you know. Now the question also is for someone like a Dan Quinn who's probably going to get another head coaching job do you, how much do you factor in that he failed his first time as a head coach? Would you be so willing to run out because he has a great defense to say, I'm giving this guy another chance? Is he like on the top of like your board or are you more willing to either get a, you know, a head coach that was recently a, who, a guy who is a head coach or a, a, a coordinator who for his first job as a head coach? Um, I think that focusing on his quote-unquote failure in his first attempt at a head coach is silly. I think maybe focus on the positive. He went to a Super Bowl and had a 28-3 to halftime lead in that Super Bowl. 
Um, he also won one as a defensive coordinator in Seattle. Um, he was the defensive coordinator for a national championship team. Is that correct? Yes. I think that the successes outweigh the perceived fa- – is it really a failure to have gone to a Super Bowl and lost? Um, no. I th- there were there were failures in that game. I think you can attribute them to his offensive coordinator. I think it's interesting to see how he interviews in what he says about hiring an offensive coordinator and what he says about that game. Certainly something I would ask. But I wouldn't have the hang-ups as that as a failure over all of the positives. I mean, the moment he left Atlanta and went to Dallas, their defense got way better. <laughs> yeah, how, how long How long was he still on the job from the Super Bowl to getting fired? I thought it was only the year after. It was one year after? I, I thought he had one season after that, and then he was on the outs. I think he even got fired like – he was like one of those ones that got it on Black Monday or whatever they call it. Pink Monday? Black Monday? Pink Monday. <laughs> well, it's a pink slip, right? Is it Pink Monday? It's Black Monday. It is Black yeah. Monday. Okay, whatever. I don't I, – maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But me personally, I understand, but I think that he's he's going to get a head coaching job. I'm pretty sure. I think so. I mean I, I think someone like him – that's where ego comes in. And, you well, know, it's like if Jonathan can... Gannon got one. Yeah. I guess if you can be one of the best coordinators in the league, maybe stay in your lane and just be the best coordinator you can be. I mean, these guys make a lot of money now too. Yeah. I'm, I just – and I mean, I'm like, sure Dallas probably is going to pay the most for a coordinator. Sure. I mean, I think – you think guys like Norv Turner and – Wade Phillips, they can go back and redo their career. You think they'd rather have just said, "I'm just going to stick being coordinator the entire time." Maybe take one shot at being a head coach, and it didn't work out. Just go back and just be, you know, someone like, uh, uh, like a, a, a Monty Kiffin or someone who's just as known as just Jack Del Rio. Yeah, a, 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 just a great coordinator, a Hall of Fame level coordinator. Maybe I don't know. I can understand it. I wouldn't criticize them for making that decision. Yeah. It's interesting. I still think that that's the end game, though. I think, I think. Um, well, do you want to remain a badass coordinator if you feel like the head coach is the one preventing you from winning Super Bowls, which might be the problem in Dallas? I mean, that's, you, that's, a, that's a fair reason to want to leave. Do you ultimately be shocked if, this giant, if this Cowboy team fails in the playoffs again, that McCarthy gets run and Quinn takes over? As interim head coach or as head coach as next head coach, year? Head ne- coach next year. Or maybe if that doesn't happen this season, then next season. McCarthy gets – this year he's, you know, he's calling plays and stuff. They go, let's say, 13-3 and three and they lose in the playoffs. And it happens again next year and they, they, they get bounced early. I don't know. I feel like that would – it's weird – it's a weird scenario to fire your head coach. And uh, actually, didn't that happen to Jason Garrett? That did happen to Jason Garrett. He was named interim head coach, and then took over. Mm-hmm. I could see it. I guess. I mean, Jerry Jones has his boys that he loves. I just don't know if Dan Quinn is agreeable enough to be a head coach for Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones is also how old? Like a hundred million. <laughs> I mean, probably wouldn't play out until twenty twenty five anyway. Yeah. I mean, Jerry Jones is you know, I I can't see him being the the the, 
in control of the Cowboys much, much longer. Mr. Burns is still in The Simpsons after like 30 years, so who knows? <laughs> All right, that's an yeah, episode. Bart, Bart's also still nine. That's so. true, and still in detention. Um, <laughs> that's an episode. Giants 31, Cardinals 28. I'm happy. I'm happy to report a victory. Um, we have a short week coming up. So uh, we will have an episode for you Thursday morning that we're going to record Wednesday night. Sheesh. Short week. We might have a special, might have a special guest on that episode, too. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Apparently. You may know, you may know her. Okay. But, uh, keep, keep, keep tuned in. Um, that episode will be Thursday morning on all the regular outlets, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, and, of course, YouTube. So we will see you there. Until then, go Giants. Go Giants.